What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the, the 33rd episode of the Philly Blitz Podcast. I'm Pierre. I'm here with Quell and Parth. What's up with y'all, boys? I'm awesome, man. I am awesome. Wubba lubba dub dub to those who celebrate. Another day, another bird's win, man. How you guys feeling? I am uh, feeling good. I'm driving home from New Jersey on a business trip right now. That's why Pierre's taking over the intro, and uh, you're going to have some incredible transitions from the boys. I'm just excited for that. Um, I'm but not, I'm doing good. Not used to it. For... Not, not, not used to doing the intro. <laughs> you got it. I believe, I believe in you. you. You killed it. But uh, but no, I'm, uh, I'm feeling good, man. Uh, you know, if you had asked me, honestly, Sunday, I probably would have been – a little annoyed, you know. Um, we'll talk about it in a second, which is how the game kind of went. But at the end of the day, we're three and zero. The offense is starting to get back on track. Defense is playing lights out. Uh, it's uh, it's hard to find much to complain about, despite being a Philadelphia fan. Yeah, man. I think you know, um, like I said on the last part, I think everything is just going to come with time. Like. They got a new offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, and while he's known Jalen, you know, a long th- a long time throughout his life, you know, uh, coaching him, that's an entirely different story. Um, like I said, you know, I just think things are just going to take time, and, you know, as Monday show, they're getting it figured out. Yeah, man, I feel like with the team, with every game that passes by the office, gets much and much more improved, man. I was much more happier with the offense this week than I was the week prior. And the same could be said of following the Minnesota game as I was from when they left New England. So, as Jalen Hurts says, man, 1% better every day. The only goal is to win in the first place. So, I mean, just coming away with the victory on a road game early in the season, games that would – we like to say the ones you should win when you get to later mm-hmm. on in the years. To be able to count those type of victories is good to see, man. Absolutely. Um, make the make the main thing the main thing, right? And <laughs> we're talking about Jalen Hurtsisms, and that's the uh, and that's the W's, right? We uh, we talked about it earlier, you know, in some of our podcasts about how the Eagles have one of the hardest schedules in the NFL, or the hardest schedule in the NFL this year, you know, so. We talked about how these W's are really important to stack up because in about four or five weeks, the, the, the W's are not going to be as easy to come. You know, we'll get now we can start getting into the Tampa game a little bit. Um, but that was we, we you know, we gained, you know, 400 something yards and, you know, we put up all these points and everything. But at the end of the day, the score should have been a lot higher than it was. And. Um, we were lucky that we played Tampa and that our defense played as lights out as they did. But, you know, another offense could take advantage of some of the times where we settled for field goals. And uh, I think a lot of that just comes down to red zone issues, which it's kind of funny considering our dominance in it last year. And I mean, we were definitely due for some regression to the mean, Um, but the red zone performance just wasn't up to, 
you know, the Eagles standard, especially with Jalen and AJ. Since they came, I mean, we've kind of had every answer possible in the red zone. Sometimes you want a big receiver. Sometimes you want like a fast receiver. So you have Devontae. Sometimes you want a big tight end. So then you got uh, Dallas Goddard. And then sometimes you just want your quarterback to run it in and you got Jalen. So we used to have, we have, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I don't mean to say we used to have all the answers. We still have all the answers. And now we're starting to figure out how to use them. And uh, I think that comes down to what uh, you both were saying in that it's it's starting to come together, you know, and that shows in the dominance that the Eagles showed just throughout the game, throughout, in between the red zones, right? You know, fine, red zone performance left something to be desired, but if we're looking in between the 20s, the Eagles were dominant, you know, and uh, and I think Brian Johnson came out with a lot of counter punches that looked really good. You know, a lot of teams were expecting us to just run a ton of inside zone because that's what we ran at the Vikings. We ran it up the gut, up the middle, just beat your face in kind of football, you know, and that you're not going to stop us. And so now, you know, we're playing the Bucks with Vita Vea, who obviously is a force in the middle. They're going to change things up a little bit. And so we tried a little bit inside zone. It wasn't hitting the way we wanted. And then we're seeing a ton of, of, uh, of, uh, of outside zone, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's really fun to watch to see how the offense evolves from, from week to week and to see that Brian Johnson is still comfortable, you know, changing things up and, uh, and, and finding what works. And that's what I'm excited about. And that's what I've kind of appreciated about what he's doing is that he's not afraid to experiment. And now it's nice to see that some of his experiments are paying off. That's, you know, two dominant performances in the run game. And, you know, the passing game looked a lot better this, this, this week, you know, just to go into it again real quick is, you know, they were playing a ton of off coverage. And so what did we do? We ran a ton of comebacks and curls and we let AJ Brown get the most yak he's gotten in his career as an Eagle. You know, I think he had like 70 yards of yak, which is pretty ridiculous, but I mean, he just spins out of the catch and then stiff arms the guy and he's getting 12, 12 yards every run. So, um, you know, it's just nice to see how he's uh, how he's evolving as a play caller, and it, it it gives me a lot to be excited about in the uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think um, a lot of it uh, goes to back goes back to what uh, Dallas Goddard said. It, it was either yesterday or the day before yesterday when he talked about how through the first three weeks um, they've played maybe the most exotic defenses that they're going to see this year in terms of the scheme and the coaches how aggressive they are. You know the exotic looks that they you know run from a coverage standpoint um i think you know like he said you know uh, as we move on move into the season more um we're not going to see a ton of that so i think you know the passing offense is going to be able to get more comfortable and find more of a rhythm um and then when you were talking about the red zone offense i think a lot of their issues it kind of stems from um i don't want to say overthinking it but like it just seems like like you know, as you talked about in terms of like the amount of pieces they have, like it seems like there's some overthinking it there in terms of whether, you know, you want to run Jalen, you know, you want to RPO read option. Like it, it seems like it's a lot of thinking involved with Brian Johnson when he gets into the red zone. Yeah. <laughs> you got like too many options, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, well, that's not the right terminology, I guess, but you know, you got, you got too many options to, utilize that totally makes sense um ball, no, I, I think you're right and in terms of right yeah you just want to you want to stick 
the uh, one of like the best you know phrases that you know you, it it works in business, it works in football, it works in everything. Keep it simple, stupid, right? Like just keep, you know you don't need to you don't need to make it too complicated. Just do what works, you know. And so I think that's something that comes with your evolution as a play caller as well, and just that it comes with confidence in your identity as a play caller and, and those types of things. So I think it, it's what we'll see. And Pierre, I think your point is, is very valid. We played Bill Belichick and Brian Flores in, in the first two weeks. And then in the third week, we go and play Todd Bowles. Like, you know, these are some of the top defensive minds in the league. Um, and we played them three in a row, right? So there was bound to be, you know, some, some troubles. But I, we came out on top, right? We came out 3-0. and We figured it out. And the Eagles always just have the ability to just run the ball. If things aren't working, just run the ball. And the thing is, is, you know, with us running this, running the ball right now, teams are going to adjust, right? And it's the same kind of thing that we saw last year, right? After the Eagles ran the ball the second half of the season, what did we see when we came back? Well, we saw that all the uh, teams were just begging the Eagles to pass, and they were like, we're not going to let you beat us in the run. And so what do we do? Jalen, Devontae, and AJ just came out and were completely dominant in the passing game. So I think we might see a mini evolution like that throughout the season as well. I think, well, to start with your red zone point, Pierre, there's the one draft specifically. Like, there was a lot to get into with Brian Johnson this week, man. It was so up and down and up and down. It was some to love, some not to love. But in the red zone, the one draft specifically that sticks with me is when he ran the ball. Oh, oh. He threw the ball on third down and then ran the ball on fourth down deep into Buccaneers territory. We didn't get it when we ran the ball on fourth down. And I sat here and said, I mean, he should have flipped those plays. If you go like, how many times have you watched a football game and you sit here and you question the team on third and insert down here? Like, well, why did you run the ball right here? And it clicks in your head real fast. Oh, this four down territory. If you knew it was four-down territory, why'd you throw the ball on third and, again, whatever it was, instead of trying to run the ball, get your team in a better situation, and then trying to pass and play? That just confused me. But then I can go to another third down later in the game where Tampa Bay sent pressure, as, as they did on a lot of the third downs during the game, and... It made me excited because they hit Dallas Goddard on a, basically a deep dig across the middle. And it was one of them plays where, oh, you had an answer. Like, that was when they came out and they basically said, I know they're going to pressure. I think, I believe it was coming out of a timeout as well. But I know the pressure's coming. We just need to figure out where it's coming from and how we're going to attack it, where we're going to attack it. And, again, did exactly that. Attacked the ball where the pressure came from, when it came from there. And just seeing something like that where after two weeks of seeing the team get basically blitzed into obliviation, it's like, okay, so, Brian, what are going to be your responses to this when you see this throughout the season? It was basically bright to see him have a situation like that. So, I mean, as you guys said, the growth and evolution of Brian Johnson, it's – it's not a one-game thing, man. If you guys expected to see the greatest show on turf after one week, it's him calling the plays. It wasn't going to be like that, man. I'm sorry. 
if you expected to see it after a bump to him called the plays, it wasn't going to be like that. But as Nick Sirianni said, it's not about playing your best ball right now. You want to be playing your best ball later on when it counts, basically. And Plant the I flowers. can see this team basically exactly for part fertilizer. <laughs> so, and I can see with this football team them getting better week by week. They may not be playing their best football today, but they played better than they played last week. And I think that's going to go a long way when they reach that dangerous stretch that you talked about, Par. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it with Brian Johnson, you know, if you listen to um, the press conferences or press conference meetings throughout the offseason, it's training camp, OTAs, and things of that nature. A common word that you heard was identity um, from Jalen in terms of the whole team finding an identity. And specifically uh, with Brian Johnson being named offensive coordinator, him finding an identity. And I've alluded to this on past episodes, but, um, you know, I think it's, it's just him – you know, trying to find his identity as a play caller, finding what he likes, what works where, what down in distance and what doesn't. And, of course, he's done it at the college level, but NFL is a different animal. So it's, I think it's just an adjustment period that we're experiencing. And, you know, like we keep saying, you know, saying with time is, and week by week, it's going to continue to grow. All I'm saying is it ain't a down the distance. That inside zone ain't never worked on, brother. It don't matter what <laughs> level of football you play on. <laughs> but, All right. So uh, speaking of, let's look. Yeah. Go ahead. Speaking of inside zones and rushing plays and things of that nature, we got a rushing play of our own that I like to say we've specialized up to this point. And I mean, people love to hate it. I guess that's the yeah. Only one way to one, put one it. person one one person even said kill the quarterback. Yeah, man, it's 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 pretty nasty. It's, 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 it's getting pretty aggressive at this point. Where you barstool dude too? So weird. It's nasty. And then you hear certain players come out and speak about it. J.J. Watt, cough, cough, and say, the play shouldn't be banned. There's nothing wrong with it. The only reason it works and why it's not working for other teams is because they got the quarterback and the offensive line to do it. But certain people seem to forget that the law got basically outlawed in 06, and Tom Brady made a killing out of it in his career. Something that doesn't that's, seem that's to like, mentioned. That's- that's my thing that I don't understand. Like Tom Brady did it religiously for years and it was celebrated. It was like, like all positive, but with the Eagles and us doing it, it's, it's not, it's, it's the end about, of the world. It's not about what you're doing. It's about how you're doing it, brother. And about how the Eagles use that. Like, think about it. How many times have you watched the football game and you've seen a team trot out the quarterback sneak team on third down? And then sit there and say, oh, you ain't work. I'm going to double it back again and run it off. They're, like, they're really just – they're assholes about it, and that's why everybody – Exactly. And, it. I mean – They they really don't care. They're like, we can do it. You can't stop us. We're going to keep doing it until anybody can stop us, which you're damn right. That's exactly how you should be playing. Like That's what football we, is. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry you can't – I'm sorry you can't hang. Like, the, the you guys can go play college on Saturdays if you don't want to play with the big boys. I don't know what to tell you. So what is your guys' opinion about Richard Sherman and his pushback about it basically being, I believe it was 2017, might have been a little earlier, but I think it was 2017, when basically the tush-push defensive version was outlawed. It started off with a special teams thing where they tried to push the center back 
was presumably into the snapper and things of that nature, messed up field goals. And the NFL banned it for health and safety reasons. Yeah, yeah because I think it's a totally different story there. Where? And yeah, why? because when you're, it's a different story because with the long snapper, the reason they stopped is because the long snapper's head is down. So when the defense comes in and just charges forward and tries to put all their pressure on them, they're putting pressure on the center's neck. While with the tush push, you're, the D lineman is in a three-point stance. The D lineman is not snapping the ball. The only thing the D lineman has to focus on is getting off. And so when it's when it's the center, you have to worry about snapping the ball as well. And so there's a difference there in that you have to focus on something else. You're worried about something else. Your head is looking somewhere else, and you have different angles that you're playing with. Well, on defense, well, on you know, for defense, you can just rush forward. And so yeah, you can blow up the play like that. But it's definitely a lot more dangerous, you know, than it would be for a tush push. My thing with it is like constantly throughout throughout the years, uh, decades, or whatever you want to call it, like as innovative or ha- as as yeah, innovative as innovative as NFL offenses have been. There's always been a defensive coach or scheme or something to you know mitigate that or stop that or at least slow it down. Why would this play? Is it just oh, just ban it versus teams figuring out ways to stop it or combat it? Yeah, are we gonna start banning plays if they just if it's an yeah. are we gonna start banning like Travis Kelsey, uh, Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey when the play breaks down? Are we just gonna be like oh, if the play breaks down, you have to actually take a knee because it's not fair? Like that's bullshit. Like, do I'm we sorry. ban? Like, do we do do we ban the pre-stop motion that the Dolphins do with Tyreek Hill when he when he gets a running head start and he can freaking fly down the field? Do we ban that because it's it's, it's an unfair advantage? No. I personally think, and why I personally think it didn't get banned in the first place and why it will not get banned is because when you change this rule, you begin to change other rules in football, which is a conversation I had with one of my colleagues about the touchback rule and why they probably won't change that. But again, when you change this rule, you start changing other things because your whole argument that is that you shouldn't be able to push a ball carrier forward to gain more yards, or that's the the unfair part about it. Then you start taking away the situations where basically at every you you basically get put in a situation where every, a running back is his full progress is stopped no matter what. Like, you get to see those little scrums where offensive lines push you forward to gain those extra yards or the running back trying to yeah. keep his feet moving so he not down. You got to call those things down because you're technically pushing the guy forward at this point. And you get to begin to change too much of the game, things that you don't really want to touch when you touch certain things. And I think this is how I look at it is I like to call it very Bill Belichickian of this Eagle staff to find a poll that was really a loophole. It, it's a loophole for you to be able to push your players forward and maintain progress from it. But it's because they know it helps the game and other processes. You, you're not going to see that in a lot of things. If this was anything else, it probably would or should be banned. And I mean, again, it kind of goes back to, like I said, the thing about it, how it being banned on the defensive end. Well, yeah, I get what you said, Park. 
But if I'm a defensive player, my whole argument is, so it gives an unfair advantage if they can push their players, but I can't. So what are we going to do about this? So, so, uh, so with the uh, 2017 rule, right, is that at the snap? Because we see linebackers come in and push back, you know, in the, in, in the game regularly. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the exact but terminology it, is. How I look I, at know, it is mm-hmm. it's kind of like with the offensive lineman. If you try to change that rule, you probably still gonna see it in the game because the offensive lineman is gonna say, "I'm not trying to push my guy forward. I got four defensive players on my man, and he not down yet. I'm trying to keep him feet up, keep him up, so he can keep his feet moving." On the mm-hmm. defensive side of it, all they're gonna say is, "I'm just trying to make a tackle, man." Right. So that's what I'm saying. So, so I don't think it's really that outlawed. Obviously, there's a certain type that they can't do but I don't know like when we're watching them try to stop the QB sneak it's not like they're not pushing on their D line you know what I mean like every single player is converging and pushing as hard as they can against the Eagles the Eagles just push forward farther so I'm not I mean, sure what Richard Sherman's point the, was to be the, I mean even if that is the case 400, it's, illegal, pounds. it's illegal right that's why J.J. Watt said what he said I mean that's why the play works but yeah, I guess the the, uh, Richard Sherman's part of it is more so, I mean, if it's illegal, if it's illegal, yeah, you got defensive linemen pushing back, but they pushing back with a chance in a situation that they can get flagged for this. And if they get but, flagged uh, for it, a, you get yeah, the chance to do it all a, over again, then what? I think that's, I think that's what about isms because we haven't seen, we haven't seen a single flag come out. We've been watching the QB sneak for two years, right? Well, you've been saying uh, book uh, every time we have picks, right? You'd be like, Book the Jalen Hurts touchdown, right? Because we would do the tush push. And I haven't seen a single flag for D linemen pushing back. So I think that's defensive players being like, oh, well, what about this? They're always complaining about how the game is harder. And sure, it definitely is. It's oh, it's 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 an offensive-minded game now. But I don't think, you know, talking about that, that being illegal is really doing anything. Because we haven't even seen the flag pulled. We've seen other teams do it, and we don't even see that flag called. So... I'm not sure what, you know, the point of even saying that is. It's like, sure, it's a rule, but it's not one that's called. We have plenty of rules that are not really called that players take advantage of. So take advantage of it until you can. Like we were talking about Belichick. That's exactly what he does. He pushes the envelope as far as he can until you do, and then you stop. You know, but you you see how far you can push the envelope. Certainly, man. I can certainly what did y'all, agree with that. What did y'all think of the little, uh, I don't even know what to call it, the, I guess, tendency breaker that they tried to do with it in the red zone where I, I think Jalen. Oh, man, I was excited, dude. I wanted to see yeah. what it would be. Because but they've like, they've, they've kind of hinted at it before, hinted at doing things off of it yeah, before. Yeah, things off yeah. it before. I, yeah. I, I figured we'd see like some, some like Goddard or somebody leak out into the flat or somebody leak out above the linebacker or something like that. Um, but Arf, give it up, know, brother. We are not seeing a jump pass. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> the jump pass is coming. Well, it's coming. Just, just trust it. Brian Johnson, Florida. The connections are there. But um, I think they said it on the on the uh, broadcast. I'm kind of glad that he fell over. You know, it's it's kind of good that we were hiding that. Like, I don't know if I wanted to use that in a game against the Bucks when we were kind of yeah. winning. Like, I'm glad nobody really got the film on you know what was exactly going to happen. <laughs> Now maybe that's a little tinfoil hat of me, but Allegedly. save your save save your cool plays. What you mean? 
I mean, yeah, they didn't see what was going to happen because Jalen fell, but everybody else that was supposed to do something did what they were supposed to do. So it's did they? All now. right, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if they got fully into the routes or if the play was called dead fast enough. I mean, we we can't see because of the TV angle, but yeah, exactly, exactly. Shout out yeah, all twenty-two uh, for being garbage. Now, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but uh. Today is Thursday. The Eagles, they do play a game on Sunday. A 1 p.m. start. This is, I think it's one of two 1 p.m. starts they have three. all season, right? Have three? three 1 p.m. games oh, yeah. all season. Two against the, last the Commanders, game. one against the, the last Cardinals. Game. Yeah. No, it's not the last game. It's just the it Cardinals is. game. The Arizona, Arizona game is the last game. No, it's not. Yes, it is. The last game. No, I promise the Arizona game is the last game, I think. I promise you now. I'm going to look it up. What? Is it the uh, Giants again? I bet you were Eagles quarter. You know what? You're right. It is the Giants. I don't wow, know look at Eagles that. quarter. <laughs> I get one too. Come on. <laughs> speaking of speaking of the Cardinals, did you guys drive over here? <laughs> uh, I took the bus because uh, took the bus. Honestly, did you? Honestly. Uh, I, I, I'm a fucking killer, bro. Like, to be honest with you, like... Are you really? Because I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him. <laughs> I can't stand him. Like, all right, great. You beat the Cowboys. I was cheering I see for the, the Cowboys. Fire in your That's how ass. much I hate him, bro. I really wanted the Cowboys to win. And my brother was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like... That's a violation. I hate Jonathan Gannon. I know, I know. And I told I told you guys, we didn't That's boys, why I call him one. I can't... I know. And it's fucking... It's gross. I'm sorry. I'm going to start cursing now. I just... I can't... Shots. <laughs> Explosives. That's what I thought of when I saw Rondell exactly Moore score that show. touchdown. Exactly. Like, pew, pew. Exactly. Explosives. <laughs> Explosives. Hey, hashtag sad note. That's how they need to use him, honestly. Yeah. They need no, to, they to show me more of that. In. Don't just do like, it because your right. team sucks. Show me more of that. Mr. Uh, Boilermaker, right? Hey, don't remind me. Right. He was. Uh, oh, that's right. He cooked y'all. Whew. Anyways, <laughs> all right. So uh, we uh, we we're not going to talk about Gannon because like it's just going to get me angry, and I need to focus on driving. Let's uh let's talk about my guy. All right, how are we feeling, man? Sean Desai has been cooking, bro. Different fronts, different coverages, switching everything, and it just feels like the the defense is playing like harmonious football. You know what I mean? They're they're playing off of one another, and it and it seems like they're playing as a unit, which you love it to is. see, especially this early in the season. The the biggest thing to me is like how well they're playing, in spite of all the injuries that they've had everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like to be able, and we I know it, it, it's DBs. yeah, I know it's 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 on the back of the defensive line, which you know Howie Roseman he invests you know pretty much all of his resources into you know building up building that unit up and everything like that, but. It's just like, like you said, you know, they had two, was it, I know it was Josh Job and um, um it was, uh, Josh Goodrich, Job, right? Sidney Brown, Josh Job, Sidney Brown, and Goodrich. You know, like I said, just how well they're playing in spite of everything that's, you know, happened around around them um, in terms of injuries, it's, it's been a sight to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my God, Sean Desai, man. Brother, me and you gonna have a such a love hate relationship. I see it now. 
because I just be watching so many different games, so many of these games, and it's like through one drive, it's like, yeah, that's right. Do it like that. That's what I'm talking about. Look at the fronts. Look at all the different stunts and twists they're doing. Look at the different coverages. And then you get into some drives, and it's like, brother, you just blitz six people on three straight plays. If you blitz again, I might pull my hair out. They know what's coming. They keep gaining yards. Stop. Switch. Switch it. Switch it. And I mean, again, the same, the same excuse that we give Brian Johnson. You're a few games in. You you still learning. Grant, he's been a coordinator before, but getting refreshed at everything. Back to the, the just the play calling. Getting back in this sort of things and that nature. So I understand. Hey, can, can we again, just take a like time out real about quick? The offense. Well, remember you said you remember you told me that we wouldn't be seeing blitzing? You For the record, you did say that. I did. You did. I did. I'm big <laughs> enough to admit when I'm wrong. Now not, it's cool. To, it's it's cool to see. It's cool to see it now, so bro. It's cool to see it now, brother. But Absolutely. we, we got an entire play. season left, and hey, we sat here and waited till Jonathan Gannon got to a Super Bowl before we decided to pull our hair out. So hold no, up, uh-uh, we might reach a, we, that, that you is, getting, uh-uh, that is you getting, that's what I was about to you say. Getting. I was pulling out my hair since P's and Q's, bro. You I could getting. not stand this man's defense. But and even even then, let the record show. And as I as I spoke to you guys before, as I said all the record before we I think a few days ago when I was talking to you guys. Actually, the day of the Bucks game, heading into the Bucks game, the Eagles were last in the league against quarterbacks and tight ends. So it's not like they weren't giving big plays and they're still doing some of the same things that, you know what I'm saying, that you the, the little <laughs> dink and dunk offenses that stretched you out, same things were still happening. That didn't say was going to happen. Said, I said I that was okay as long as you blitz the quarterback. I promise you if it was Jonathan Gannon, Baker Bayfield would have cooked us. Oh, my God. Brother, have it you been watching been... Cardinals games? Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. He would have been coaching different on the Eagles. Can you see the fire in your ass? Because I can see the fire in that defense's ass as they send the pressure. I'm sitting there like, all I see, I see a fire in Buda Baker's eyes to get traded. I see a a fire in Buda Baker's eyes to get traded to the Eagles. (laughs) Not after that game where you beat the Cowboys. Really hyped with the Cardinals. That's the first one of the season, isn't it? They're one and they're one and two. This is is this the turning point for the uh, the commercial? I see them. I I just cannot believe that he, as a grown ass man, he said pew pew to another man. Seriously. (laughs) Do you not know what shots look like? What you wanted them to say? Boom, boom. Yeah. Explosive. Like, anything. uh, Pew pew. Like, that's like a little, like, like finger gun, bro. You see, you're giving too Star Wars y now. You're giving two Star Wars. Said, he had to get to the point. Pew, pew. All right, then give me a lightsaber, like boom, boom. But the Eagles do have a football Star- game on Sunday, right, man. How you guys feeling about it? Yep. They travel. Who are we? They don't travel. Washington travels to Philadelphia for one of two matchups yep. in the course of a month. I think this matchup, October 1st, and then the next one is October 29th. So we get yeah, to watch like the matchups over with quickly, very quickly. 
how you guys feeling heading into this against the team that man, you see if you guys had a chance to watch that uh Commanders versus Bills game last week, it it was bad, man. It was bad. It, okay. It so it was it was bad in the sense it was that bad, they, brother. they killed themselves. I watched the game. I watched the game. Like they killed themselves in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't they killed themselves they, all game. I, l- l- all right. Are you going to say that the game was fully out of hand, all three, it all four over. quarters? I don't think so. I think – I don't know. I think I think the commanders were in there. I think Sam Howell obviously does not have any time. He's getting sacked at a higher rate than Justin Fields is getting sacked. And Justin um, Fields got um, sacked at a higher rate. A lot rate. of that is on Sam Howell. That's well, fine, but they're the also – The offensive line well, ain't playing they're well. Exa- they're, it's the offensive line, and he's playing with Eric Bieniemy, who wants to air the ball out, and they don't have the dogs up front to block for him. So – I think it's 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 a combination of things, but Sam Howell has looked good at at, at different points. But I just I, I don't think he's getting done any favors either. Um, I don't think the, I don't think the Commanders are really a terrible team. They have a really good defense, in in my opinion. I think you know if they can put things together, that defense you know, has a lot of pieces. And the offense, like yeah, I don't I don't think they have offensive line. I feel bad for Sam Howell going into this game, honestly, but. I didn't. I didn't think that the game was as bad as the score showed with the Bills and the Commanders. I mean, because I watched the I watched the game like it was all that was on at the time, and you know, I didn't. I I, I I don't know. I disagree. It was. Bad. I disagree. I think there and were a I, lot of. I think there were a lot of self-inflicted wounds, but I don't think that the Commanders were just like totally whooped. All right, so hear me out. It's one of those temperature conversations right here. Now, of course, mm-hmm. you guys know. I'm I'm based in Washington D.C., so temperature in the room conversations right here. Right. Sam Howell has been playing pretty well up to this point. He was very encouraging. You were encouraged by what you've seen and how the offense has been looking. Granted, you kind of right part. There are a lot of deep developing plays that the offense tends to go to and things, that, but they also have their screens and they they lean on the running game. So. It's not like they don't have things to get out of these situations that they don't go to. The problem with Sam Howell that I've seen all season long that I continue to see, you you mentioned the, the sack rate. Yeah, the offensive line hasn't played great. I mean, they were missing their feast on week one. They got a, a bit healthier heading into week two and then last week, but Sam Howell has to get rid of the ball, man. And maybe some of that does relay back to these long developing plays, but there are plays where he has guys open, and I don't know if he's not trusting what he's seeing or if one of those situations. And it makes sense with young quarterbacks where it's a difference between being NFL open and college open. NFL open, you got to throw the ball into windows, brother. You got to throw the ball with anticipation. And, like, you, it's everything is based on timing. College throws, you're going to find guys that's running way past people. You might have seven, eight yards of separation, and you can throw the ball to a spot that that guy's going to be at. That ain't what he got right now. It's going to take a whole lot of getting used to that. I mean, he's only started, what, four or five career games? Just think about how we talked about Jalen Hurts at that point in time and what he had to get used to. Sam is holding on to the ball way longer than he needs to in some plays. He needs to 
believe in what he's seeing. He needs to go through the developments. He needs to not always look for the big play. Like, yeah, this my receiver one. This who should be getting the ball on this play. Just trust what you're seeing. Go through your progressions. Get the ball out quickly. It's way too many times where he's trying to extend plays and trying to be a superhuman. And that's not what they need out of this offense right now. Maybe at some point, but that's not what he's being asked to do at this point in time. I feel like you're going to see a lot of good from Sam this weekend. A lot of good from Sam because Sam is playing some bright football. Some some things where it's, okay, you're encouraged. I can see why they wanted to play him and things. And then you might see a few throws, especially given how the offensive line has played, like you said, where like last week against Buffalo, didn't have much time. Even when he did have time, he was kind of seeing ghosts throwing the ball late, throwing the ball like the Micah High interception where you kind of threw the ball right to him because you let him run down on the ball. And it's it's going to be a hit or miss thing. I, it's one of the things where the Eagles should win this football game. I mean, anything can happen, you know, to any given fun Sunday type of thing. But Just like last year, man, we said the yeah. same thing. and the Taylor Eagles should with, with this young, but th- that's the difference between Taylor and where Sam is right now. Taylor was one of those gunslinging, I'm gonna take a chance, and even then, they kind of took the ball out of his hands. I don't think they're gonna take the ball out of Sam's hands, even if that's the smartest thing to do for the win this football game. You don't want to mm-hmm. crush the confidence of your young quarterback, you like him being good in the future is a much bigger thing than winning him winning this football game right now. So, yeah. like, you kind of want to keep continuing to build confidence in him, keep letting him operate within the parameters of the offense, things of that nature. If I'm a Commanders fan, I'm excited from everything I've seen from Sam. This is almost Absolutely. that situation that I spoke to you guys about a few years ago. It's almost funny that we've reached so far from that situation now where we are. But when I sat here and told you guys, like, so, how do you guys feel, worst-case scenario, if we sit here with Jalen Hurts and he doesn't play well, but he doesn't play bad, and you're sitting here in a situation and leaving from the year where we need to figure out who he is and yeah. we still don't know. And it's kind of trending towards that. Where, But the benefit shit, is, is you still have a year, right, with, uh, with yeah. Howell? Like they, have, they have him under contract another, another year or is it two years? I believe so. He got drafted, what, last year? Last year, right? yeah. So he got two yeah, years yeah, yeah, of the yeah. contract after here. Yeah, but yeah, you're you're totally right, Paul. I didn't know it was, it was very well put. What, what, what do you think, Pierre? Yeah, um, I think for me, in terms of this matchup from the Eagles' perspective, I feel like this plays right into their hands. Like, you know, we've talked about throughout this pod and the last few ones about the dominance of the defensive line. And if, you know, Washington struggled, with Buffalo last week, they gave up, what, nine sacks? If mm-hmm. they struggled with, with that defense, Lord knows what they're going to do with the Eagles' defensive front, right? So, um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then when you talk about uh, Washington's defense, um, and I was listening to – I can't remember which podcast. I think it was the Eagle Eye in the Sky, I think, earlier today. And they were saying how um, Washington, they're not going to allow the Eagles to, you know, like we talked about, spam inside zone and, you know, gain eight, 10 yards per pop on the ground. Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, their NFL, former NFL linebackers who played in the 1980s, they're not going to go for that, right? 
And yeah. if you're going to defend the Eagles, you know, stacking the box, like we talked about last pod, the key to that or the way to combat that, throw the ball. And Washington, they don't have the corners to keep up with the Eagles receivers, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. So I feel like this matchup, it's play, it plays into the Eagles' hands. Sam Howell is uh, is is willing to air the, air the ball out. And I, that's what I appreciate about him. Um, and that could also be a downfall against this Eagles yeah. defense that has been, again, freakishly good at yeah. getting turnovers. I mean – Last year we talked about it, and it seems like that trend is continuing to this year. I mean, the amount of turnovers that this defense kind of produces is really crazy. And so, you know, we're talking about this defense, and, and it wasn't really a a, uh, a topic that we were talking about, but, like, Jalen Carter, man. Like, <laughs> I keep we saying, couldn't have asked for anything special. better from him. This is and literally I mean, like, the best-case like, scenario. Like I, like like I said, I don't I don't know if I've talked about this on the pod or rather just you know uh, in our group chat, but I really feel like in the midst of all the off the field things in terms of his uh, his pro day and the whole car accident and everything like that, I feel like how good he is was forgotten. Like this is a dominant football player, and we're seeing it week after week. You know, I I, I agree. But I also wonder, like, you know, if he had gone to, right, and uh, and he, you know, like everybody's just like, oh, this guy's so good. Like, do we see the same level of dominance? You know, like, how much, like, is this also, like, not only a chip on his shoulder that this guy is, you know, best player, if not second best player in the draft. He drops to, you know, nine, right? That's where he grabbed him? Nine. Um yeah. And then he also ends up with, you know, a guy he can play off instinctually and, you know, two other guys he played with in college. How much of it is just also, like, the perfect storm, too, right? Like, I mean, it, it just seems like just, everything, is, everything, man. everything is lining up, man. It, it's it's really just, like, it's something unlike I've ever seen. I, I, I had some friends over to watch the game on Sunday, and I just, like, I'm watching some of the plays he makes. He first makes that sack with uh, with Fletch. And then there's just, like, the the hit where he, in open field, he bodies Rashad White. Like, my man, Rashad White went flying, like, at least two yards, and the ball comes flying out. Like, you know, they said in the summer that when Jalen Carter wants to make a play, he has the ability to make a play. Like, to just see it happen and manifest is, it, it is really just amazing, man. And, and I just told my friends, I was like, and we could really just be looking at, like, a guy who has a chance to be, like, one of the greatest players, you know, to play the game. Like, actually, just this level of dominance, and it's, like, I know it just sounds crazy and he's a rookie and everything, but he's already having one of the best seasons as a rookie defensive tackle, and it's three games into the season. He leads the NFL among defensive tackles and pressures. As, as, a, as a rookie. rookie. <laughs> as a he's rookie. Trailing. Who Micah Parsons, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, yeah. like just in in league totals, Jay, like like uh, Jordan Davis is what you usually see, right? You know, kind of struggles first year. You see some flashes. You're like, all right, this guy could do something. You know, his second year, he's coming out and he's showing some more dominance. To come out of the gate with this level of dominance is is unheard of, and I and I can't stress it enough. Like, 
I feel like people are like, oh, wow, he's really good. But, like, to think that he's really good, like, playing at a vet level as a rookie, is it's it's spectacular. And it's it's really just something that, like, we haven't seen in a, in a long time on the Eagles team. Like, Jalen Carter could legitimately be considered maybe the best player on the team through the first three weeks. I've seen somebody make that sentiment. And I, yeah, I, I saw it. And I, I couldn't disagree. I couldn't make the argument that they were wrong. I mean, exactly. yeah, you could make the argument about snaps and things of that nature, but the kid is playing a dominant brand of football right now. What can you say? Can't say much at all about. It. I'm like it's it's almost immaculate, and kind of like I said when you were speaking part of like. I think it goes understated year by year by year by year. We talk about some of these players and things of this nature, about how much landing spot really matters into their development, their growth, and who they truly become, man. And it's like this landing spot specifically, he couldn't have landed anywhere better. Because, yeah, I do agree with you, Parf. If he goes second, if he goes third, and he's – basically viewed as highly as he was. Is he playing with the same heart? Is he playing with the same intensity? And he still might end up being recognized as one of the greatest in the league at some point. But seeing him doing it at this early stage of his careers and just speaking about how not just outside people, but us to an extent. Yeah, we got Jalen Carter and we should be good, but how does the team replace Hargrave and things of that nature? Seeing how we've reached a point where, yeah, I, actually, I believe, what was a Hargrave rated higher than him in what? What was that, quarterback hits or something? I, I, I retweeted it somewhere, <clears throat> basically was saying you lose a Hargrave and gain a Carter. I mean, it's not so bad. And just to see the dominance and the impact that he's making on games this early and the fact that he's not even a starter. He's not even a starter. It, it's yeah. just immaculate, <laughs> man. He just played like twenty three snaps. I mean, there were there were forty snaps last game, something like that. Defensive snaps. He played something in the twenties. I mean, that's that's absurd. The and, and you know, to your point, while you were like, oh yeah, you know, you could use his lack of snaps against him. I think you can say the inverse in that in his lack of snaps, he's shown such dominance. He's taken over games in twenty snaps. Like, I, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Credit to Howie Roseman, man. Credit to Howie Roseman. Like, like you guys said, um, <clears throat> the guys that he's playing around, Jordan Davis, uh, Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, like, to be able to not only learn from them, but, you know, benefit from their presence on the field, it, it's huge, man. It's, it's, it's huge. Like, I don't think you guys understand how beautiful it was to watch him beat that double team as Fletcher Cox beats a single block to get to the quarterback. Like, when was the last time you've seen Fletcher Cox get single block? And it's like, it's beautiful, man. It's just beautiful to see the team in that position right now and have a player that we could honestly say potentially replaces Cox in the near future, man. Like, Not potentially. Think about, I think he will. No, I don't think you understand when I say but replaces Cox. Like, yeah, sure, he may replace his roster spot and take his snaps and things that nature, but think about how you view Fletcher Cox over the course of the last 10 or so years. You 
actually, it, again, just hat, a hat tip to Howie Roseman bringing in so many guys and having so much luck. When you look at guys like Jordan Malada, when you look at some of these guys at some of these positions, we had guys play these positions for years and be stalwarts for the team. And then you just got another one. We just translate into the next guy in the next era like clockwork. And it's so simple. It's not really that easy, man. Teams don't have it like that. So to be able to be in this position is beautiful, man. Masterclass in roster construction and drafting. But, I mean, all things aren't great in Philadelphia, man. There is something that we can discuss. How defenses are playing these Philadelphia Eagles offense? I mean, yeah, as we've all stated, the offense is playing much better than the team we've seen in week one. But still not up to the potential as the Philadelphia Eagles offense we've come to know. What are you guys thinking, man? I think, you know, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode in terms of them seeing the defensive coordinators that they have, I think that plays a huge part into it as well. But um, I think, you know, this week is going to go a huge part, go a long way into telling, you know, the, the I guess the story in terms of how defenses want to play this offense. I think if we see uh, Ron Rivera, Jack Dorio come out and, you know, uh, blitz as much as you know we've seen the past three games teams have done to the Eagles um I think that'll show you know how defenses across the league um feel they can best uh play against this offense so I think the the story is still kind of being written on that but see the funniest thing about this is what we see from our TV angle, we think teams are just sending a bunch of pressure at the Eagles. And Jalen Hurts is one of the most blitz quarterbacks in long football this year. But that's not actually the case. They are sending their fair share of pressure, but the amount of things that they're showing Jalen Hurts posting, going from single high to two high, going from two high to single high, going from no pressure to sending people that you didn't think would come in and things of that nature, like, they're trying, and I mean, when you're an elite quarterback, these are the things that they show you, man. These are the, like they people are trying to figure out how to stop this guy, and everybody's trying to get the blueprint on tape so everybody else can figure it out and we can go from there. So I think we'll continue to see a, a great blend, a great blend. Because even when you think back to, yeah, you look last week and the Vikings, I mean, the, the Bucks sent more than their fair share of listeners. Yeah, I spoke last week about a blitz that the Vikings sent that they didn't send the week before in week one. But there were also more than their fair share of snaps where those teams showed specific looks and it was like, oh, it's eight people back here. Where does the ball go? And things of that nature. So just the different ways and the different things that they show on Jalen Hurts, it might confuse him now. But, hey, Jalen Hurts is a coaching son. There's nothing that's too smart for Jalen Hurts. And, I mean, yeah, sure, it's easy for us to say that as Eagles fans, but I don't think you understand the amount of work that the kid puts in where he you you show him something once, and it's almost like you can't show him the second time during that game at least because it's like it's stored in the back of the memory. Like, when you show me that, I know what I'm doing next time. So just, again, trying to figure out the nuances of how defenses will attack I don't think, like we said at the top of the pod, going from Bill Belichick to 
Um, Brian Flores. Brian Flores, the Todd Bowles. It, it, it isn't an easy feat. Hell, this week go to Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera. So it's not like the job is any easier. So just going for that group of people in that group in that set of time. Like, yeah, a lot of people would like to think of this part of the schedule as the easy part. You stack up the wins and things of that nature. But I like to think they ain't doing nothing but preparing them for all the things they're going to see later on against better opponents. So how do you attack this against better opponents, things of that nature? Because I know a team like Dallas, at least before the injury of Trayvon Diggs, they man 47% of the snaps and sending pressure. Like, it was almost like a unstoppable force meets a movable object that Dallas versus Philadelphia meeting and how that offense versus defense meeting was going to play out. No, yeah, to to your point, Quell, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I, I was thinking back to, you know, Patrick Mahomes after his first Super Bowl, I, you know, as a, you know, certified and bona fide hater known, um, I was hating. And uh, I remember first couple games of the season, I was like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is washed. It finally caught up to him. And, you know, all this type of, all this type of stuff. And obviously, you know, now we know it's not true. Um and then he came out and said, like, he was like, oh, yeah, like, I couldn't read defenses for my first couple of years in, uh, in the league. And then, you know, I finally figured it out. But I think we're seeing something similar, not to the same extent, where it's just like he doesn't watch any film because that's what Jalen Hurts does is he watches film. But we're seeing, you know, this guy who set the league on fire the year before, and we're seeing everyone's best counterpunch towards him, right? And uh, – and that's why we're seeing him struggle a little bit, but that's why we're also going to see him you know, recover from this and have his own counterpunch. Because if there's one thing about Jalen Hurts, is it's like you're not going to he's going to he's going to find a way to throw. He's going to throw a counterpunch. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think you know, like you guys said, um, in terms of uh, the Jalen aspect of it, like when you're good, when you're as good as he was a year ago. You know, teams watch that. They're going to, you know, uh, find ways to um, combat you and, you know, figure out and really, really dive deep in to find ways to, you know, beat you. And I think that's just what we're seeing um, through the first three weeks of this season. They're giving him their best shot. And, I mean, they're undefeated. It hasn't looked pretty in all the games, but they've come out on top. That's what matters, um, right? A, win, a, a win's a win. And, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking about it these last couple of days because it's it's such an age-old argument now or our wins a quarterback stat and you know half of me agrees well but half of me also doesn't because the effect that Jalen Hurts has had on the Eagles since he became a starter cannot be discounted and it, and it just cannot be underrated the way that he Brother. just fully changed the culture since he became a starter I just I, I, I haven't seen that before, and that just shows what the leadership from the, especially the quarterback position can do. I mean, it's what it's what Tom Brady did for the Patriots for years, and I'm not comparing the two, obviously, but I mean, there's a there's a will to win, and it's not just a will, but it's just a daily consistent effort, leadership type of type of thing that not many guys have it, but for some guys, I feel like quarterback win should be a step. Brother, I don't think you understand how my life changed on January 4th, 2014. That was the day I realized quarterbacks, I mean, wins aren't a quarterback stat. 
I don't think you understand the way I felt watching Nick Foles lead the team down the field and leave the leave the field with the lead. He won a playoff game. I don't know about the rest of y'all motherfuckers, but he won a playoff <laughs> game. And I have watched my defense allow the Saints to put themselves in position and kick a game-winning field goal that Nick Foles had nothing to do with. And at that point, it was at that point in my life, I decided, Wayne's ain't a quarterback stat, bro, because he ain't had nothing to do with that loss. That wasn't his fault. And if you're going to sit here and put all these losses that quarterbacks put themselves in position to win on them, I, that, at that point, I don't agree with. And even in a vice versa state, in these games where defenses bail them out or something bail them out, they don't deserve those victories. That, that ain't a quarterback step. I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I agree with your quote. I, I'm a firm believer that wins are not a quarterback step. There's too many variables, too many things that can go wrong that are independent of the quarterback. Oh, my God. Pierre, you are in the group chat talking about Jalen Hurts is 19-1 and one and, J- and Justin Herbert isn't winning. All right. There, there, I, I, you, 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 can, you can say what you want, but there is a certain leadership quality that some guys bring to a team that some guys cannot, and it absolutely doesn't count to wins. You can't – there's obviously different variables, but what a leader brings to a team – it cannot be discounted. Well, yeah, those and, are and those are do. those are those are intangibles, though. I'm not trying to hear that because if a quarterback leads a team to a Super Bowl three years in a row and he leaves the field three years in a row with his team having a lead and his team loses, that's not his fault. And I ain't saying that happened specifically, but if that happened, that's not his fault. It's not his fault he ain't got a Super Bowl. He did everything he possibly could. It's literally the equivalent of Jalen Hurts did what he did three times. He also fumbled the ball. I mean, the ball is in the quarterback's hands the most often. They have the most. They have the most influence on the team. There's not a team out there that the quarterback doesn't have a C patch on. The these things. I know these things feels. matter. Brock Purdy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I see your point, but at the same time, you know, like we're saying, like. It's a lot of variables independent of the quarterback. While he does have the, I'll say, the most uh, impact on the game, there are a lot of variables that could go wrong that are just out of his hands. Without a doubt, there's always going to be variables, but the most consistent variable is going to be your quarterback. Your quarterback, yeah. There is one variable that is 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 going to be, you know, is on every team. They do the same thing on every team to an extent, right? There's obviously going to be some differences. But they handle the ball every snap. They're in charge of it, and for for the most part, they're looked at. They're looked to as leaders on the team. Now, obviously, Brock Purdy being on fraud watch is 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 a different story. But you know, I don't know. I just the, the more I watch Jalen Hurts led teams, they just they always find a way to do it. And Jason Kelsey said it himself: the team takes on the persona of their own quarterback. And so, you know, I just feel like you can't discount that. I agree with you to an extent, man, but I just don't like I've seen quarterbacks do everything they could to put their teams in a position to win and them teams lose those games because of the people around them. And yeah, you might have you might can say well this happened and that happened and things of that nature, but it's four quarters in a football game. And if I put you in position to win a football game in the last thirty seconds after Honestly, it really don't matter what happened before that. If I put you in position to win 
all you got to do is hold on. Why should anything be penalized on me at that point? So then let me ask you, let me ask you a philosophical question then, right? If we take it to another extent, how much of it is a defense losing versus another quarterback winning it? Right? They go hand in hand, but what about another team just having more will? So many football games come down to just like some guys wanted it more, you know, and it's and it's stupid and it and it doesn't make sense that it should work like that. But that's why you see games like the Cardinals, right? The Cardinals came out and they wanted it more than the Cowboys and they beat them. But I just don't think, even though I agree with everything you just said, I just don't think that another team wanting it more should be an indictment on your quarterback. Cause especially when the other team who wanted it more's quarterback was the one who led to that. And we aren't playing quarterbacks versus quarterbacks. No, look, I, I, I look, I I've agreed with you. I've always been on that side until I've just seen Jalen Hurts led teams. And it's given me a different perspective. Like But I mean, they, as a Jalen the person who's seen a Jalen Hurts led team, you've seen both sides of the spectrum, literally. So I, I don't understand I, I how you got have. here. Because I've also You've seen, seen games Hurts, where he he's he the reason we won. And, and you've I've seen games seen like the Super Bowl where, where I mean, it don't matter what he did, we lost. Again, he also gave up a touchdown. Well, like, we, we, like I mean, when, we, when we're looking at these games, there's usually a play where a quarterback can make some type of play, and there's a difference in the game. It might be a misplay. The quarterback Brother, the you know where game. I stand on that. He gave up a touchdown. That team went into halftime with a 10-point lead. That hey, touchdown listen, meant nothing. I, I agree with you, but at the end of the day, it's still, it's still points on the board, and we lost by a touchdown. Like, at the end of the day, these are still points on the board. The most variability, the most ability comes from the quarterback. And so, with you die by your quarterback, you live by your quarterback, and you die by your quarterback. In my opinion, you see teams with no quarterback, with no direction, and they just look a lot different than you see with the Eagles. All right, let's get the predictions for this week. I like to think that the Eagles should win this game handily. It might start off pretty cool. I mean, granted, divisional games are always tough. But I like to roll with the final of 31 to 13. Probably go into halftime with a score of 17 to 13, and the Eagles just pull away in the second half. Um. Like I said, this is a game that the Eagles did match up well with Washington. Um, but again, as you said, this is a divisional game. I think I'm going to put it at 27-17. My prediction will be uh, will be 27-13 to 13 as well. I think uh, just with division games, you never know. And like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't think this Commanders team is very bad. But I do express. I, I do expect the Eagles to just express dominance at, at one point. We're the better team. You come out with a W. You know this isn't. You don't need to. Uh, you don't need to just play games. Go out, handle business. Bet lines. I can't go with the same one weekly. I wish I could, man. Cause you know how money that thing is. But if I had to go with something different for this week. I would go with Jake Elliott. I'm not quite sure. I have to check and see exactly what his line total is. Actually, give me a second. I can give you guys a, a tell. But whatever Jake Elliott's total and total points is, I'll take it. Washington plays a competent amount of defense where 
the Eagles should move the ball. I'm not sure how many times they get into the end zone. Granted, we just talk, we've talked about how the red zone has been troublesome for this football team and into this game. I think this is a prime Jake Elliott opportunity. So take your over on Jake Elliott points. I'm going to take the over on Devontae Smith receptions. Um, like I said earlier, I don't feel like Washington has the corners to keep up with the Eagles receivers. And last week was a big A.J. Brown week. Uh, Devontae Smith, he finished with four catches for 28 yards. I feel like they're going to want to try to get him involved early and often. So take the over on Devontae Smith's receptions right now. I'm looking at it. It's at 4.5. Uh, take the over. Jake Elliott's over is at 7.5. So eight points for Jake Elliott. That's two field goals and two touchdowns. I think it's plausible. That's actually 31 points, ain't it? No. Two field goals and two touchdowns. That's, that's 14. That's 20. 20. Yeah. We're not getting the 31. I like that. Um, I'm going to go A.J. Brown touchdown again. I bet it last week. It didn't hit. They obviously want to get him one. And he's due. A.J.'s due. I'm going to need him on the sideline screaming again. Yeah, exactly. Keep, keep screaming if you're going to have 130 yards. But, as always, we thank you guys, man. Always thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, leave a review. Whichever podcast streaming platform you're listening on, leave a like and a review. Make sure you tell your friends, tell your other friends and your uncle's friends, Parth's friends, too. (laughs) Just tell everybody you know. Until next time, you guys. Well, beloved Dub Dub, go birds. Go birds. Go birds.